are times where we eat the wrong thing and it just messes with us and uh, we can't get any relief. Sometimes we feel like this guy. Oh. Can't sleep, honey? Uh -huh. What's the matter? Oh, heartburn. I know just what you need. Alka-Seltzer heartburn relief. Better, dear? Don't remember that one. But uh, how many times do you think about, uh, you know, you have heartburn, you have indigestion, but then there are also things that uh, don't relate to food that give us heartburn and give us indigestion. And they churn in our heart and our soul and our spirit. And uh, we just, are, our restlessness is there because of whatever's going on in our lives. Sometimes it's things that have come into our life. Sometimes it's things that we've brought on on ourselves, and there's a restlessness, and uh, we think about relief, and, and whatever that item is, not food, but other items, it's like we're fighting it, and uh, it's fighting us, and we feel like these guys. Your favorite food's fighting you. Nothing works faster. So when you think about that, and you think about items in our lives, our favorite items, the items that we have in our life, sometimes are fighting us. And they're our favorite things. We want them, but we know they don't agree with us. And as Christ followers, those of us who have said yes to Christ have want him in our life, want to follow him, celebrate that he gave his life for us so that we could have forgiveness and a relationship with God through him. Uh, sometimes you and I are in this restless moment because we want things that fight with our spirit and really fight with God who's connected to us, the Holy Spirit living within us, and it creates a, it creates a, a turmoil. And this morning we're picking up in Samuel, and we're going to be looking at switching gears a little bit. Now it's the seeking king, a man after God's own heart. And the fantastic thing about the life of David is that he wasn't perfect. For those of you who know the story, he messes up royally, but somehow he seems to be able to walk with God because he does have a heart for God. And so even though there can be restlessness, he's still in those moments eventually comes back to God, and that's all the difference compared to Saul. Saul had his own agenda. Uh, some people might say, was uh, uh, Saul a man of faith, uh, you know, kind of a thing? Obviously, he wasn't a Christ follower because Christ hadn't come yet, but was he that kind of relationship with God? And I, I would say, yes, he was. I would just say he was a, a troubled believer. He was a troubled believer. He, he just... He just bucked it the whole time. He banged his head against the wall. Uh, one time, I, well, I do have a friend. He, he was running this uh, track race. Some of you are familiar with the story in the book Resilient Life. And his coach had told him how to run the race. And there was a girl in the crowd. And he ran it for the girl, not for his coach. And so in the beginning, he went all out and was ahead, showing off, going fast. And all of a sudden, he hit the wall. 
And all of a sudden, one by one, most of the other runners passed him. He completes the race. He goes up to his coach, and his coach says, Gordy, I hope you're not going to be one of those guys that has to learn everything the hard way. Because he just didn't listen. And some of us have to learn things more often the hard way. Some of us are able to divert those things. We see situations around us and we go, that's not for me. I'm going to skip that. Not in a judgmental way, but man, I don't want that in my life. So I'm going to track this way. And so as we're, as we're thinking about this and thinking about how to follow Christ and what these kings have to say to us, remember all the kings are pointing to the ultimate king, Jesus Christ. And so you're going to find that with David, he had everything that you would want in a king. But he wasn't perfect. He wasn't the Messiah. And he failed. And so likewise, even today, sometimes you and I are looking for that ideal leader, politician. And there's some good ones out there. And, and we're looking at them, and the reality is they're still not going to solve all our problems because there isn't a perfect uh, leader. doesn't mean we don't move in a direction of right thinking and all of that, but there are no perfect leaders out there. So all of those moments where we go, ooh, I wish, I wish they were better at this. I wish there was more integrity. I wish there was whatever. All those moments besides being bothered by that, remind you that there's only one king, one perfect king, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we try to follow him. So as we start back into this idea of seeking the king, a man after God's own heart, uh, this morning we're going to talk first about, about this restlessness, and we see it in Saul's life. We see uh, how David responds to this. And what our hope is, is that you and I can figure out how to exchange restlessness with rest. And rest doesn't mean taking a vacation, not that a vacation is not a good idea, but it's being in a place of rest. It's being in a place of peace, being a place where you're not easily agitated because you're living on the edge and it doesn't take one more broken straw to kind of like throw you over the edge. So living, so we respond, we don't react. So we can exchange restlessness with rest. And the first thing we're going to see is that a part of that is to rest in God's sovereignty over your situation, over our situation. So we rest in that. We live in a broken world, a fallen world. None of us are perfect. And when somebody does something over here, it does create ripple effects into our lives. We look on the world stage and we look at what's happening in Russia and Ukraine and in Africa and this place in China and in our own country. And all those decisions cause ripple effects. And sometimes we say, wow, I wish God would step in and stop that from happening. But at the same time, we want free will. We want free choice. So there's this balance idea that God gives us free choice. He doesn't force himself on us. And because he doesn't force himself on us, we can do things that we want to do, and it affects other people. On a large scale and on a small scale, it can affect people in our own family. So, so this idea of thinking that God is sovereignty, it's not that he's, not, he's lost control. Um, we could go back, and um, I've been reading through Jeremiah, spending some extra time in that. That's the end of all the kingdoms. Uh, Babylon comes in and 
wipes Jerusalem off the map, and it's just horrible, it's vile, it's uh, just horrendous. And uh, that is all under God's control. And you go, so how could God let that happen? God allows people to exercise their free will. And God even uses that to accomplish his purposes. And again, it is really hard to get our mind around why that is. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the two opposing spiritual influences in the world it's it's god and it's satan there's no in between there's light there's darkness and uh at the same time that darkness uh, cannot go outside of god's sovereign will he, they can't they can't do a surprise run and all of a sudden god is in heaven go oh i didn't know that was going to happen and it's hard to wrap our minds around it because we're so linear time beginning end and god has no beginning and end so it's just, it's hard for us. That's why God is God Almighty, and we're human beings. And so we see this. So we have to rest in the fact that God is sovereign over our situation. Uh, we're going to be looking again at 1 Samuel 16. You just look along with the message guide. Um, also, you can uh, take, uh, if you want, one of these uh, rack Bibles, the paper copy, and you can follow along with that. The page number's listed there. Uh, if you don't have a paper copy of the Bible, please feel free to take that. Also, we recommend if you have a smart device uh, that you download the version. It's a free app, and it gives you access to all kinds of uh, Bible translations and um, also all kinds of reading plans. We ought to be, if we're following Christ, if you're not a Christ follower, you can opt out of this. But if you're a Christ follower, we ought to be reading the scriptures on a daily basis, letting God speak to our heart, welcoming in. He's not going to force himself on us. So when we start to unpack this, we see now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. And again, we go, how can God initiate an evil spirit to torment someone? He allows it. He welcomes it in because Saul had rejected him. He goes, okay, Saul, you rejected me. You, you don't want me a part of your life, so I'm going to allow an evil spirit. I'm not going to protect you the way I was protecting you before. You want to do your own thing? See how that works for you. And Saul never repents. You know, I, I've got to think that if Saul had repented, something, there would be a, a different story there. If you look through the scriptures, you never see someone who really repents, uh, really is sorry and wants to change their actions, owns their disobedience, owns their selfishness, owns their sin. You never see God turn that kind of person away. So that's wonderful. So there's hope for all of us. God will never, ever turn you away, no matter how much you mess up, how selfish you are. Whatever you do, he won't turn away from you. You will have to live with the consequences, but he won't abandon you. He won't write you off. He won't say there's no more room at the table for you because of what you've done. So Saul could have done that. He didn't. So we see Saul uh, is now uh, has this uh, evil spirit bothering him. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the different uh, roles of that. So you can go back and listen to that or watch that message. And uh, if we go back uh, a verse, back into verse 13, we see 
this is before when David's getting an anointing because David's already been chosen as the next king. We talked about how God looks at the inside, not the outside. He has older brothers that looked kingly. David was a handsome guy but didn't look like the king role, yet that's who God wanted. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Then Samuel went home to Ramah. Ramah. And so we see that the spirit of God is on on David. And if you look at Old Testament, there's this idea that the spirit can come and go. New Testament, because Christ has died for us. Uh, those of us who decide to follow Christ have the spirit with us permanently. He's always with us. Old Testament, there's this idea. And so later on, you'll see after uh, David really blows it, where David actually says, uh, Lord, please don't have your spirit depart from me. Why would he even think those thoughts? Because he saw what happened with Saul. So he's very aware of this. And uh, sometimes, you know, this isn't the case, but because the spirit never departs from us as Christ followers, um, we take him for granted. And there's times where I wish, uh, you know, there was a little, oh, maybe the spirit would leave me. So I need to, you know, not take him for granted. And maybe I would behave better, but I don't know. Uh, so, but that's not the case. And the spirit's with us and, and permanently upon us. So uh, we read on this whole idea, again, of uh, resting in God's sovereignty. We see this idea of uh, darkness. Uh, this is God speaking. He says, I form light and create darkness. I make harmonies and create discords. I, God, do all these things. So God is not evil, bad, but he does have these things happen because eventually everything's going to be set right. He lets things run its course. And he allows it. He welcomes it. He knows it. It's not, not surprising him. And so we see that unfolding. We also read in Matthew, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Again, replacing this restlessness with rest. Get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting so you can't respond to God's giving. So slowing down and seeing the blessings in your life. Not always moving on to the next accusation, uh, um, something you want to acquire, uh, not doing that, but enjoying what God has done in your life, being preoccupied with getting so you can't respond to get God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fusses over such things, but you know both God and how he works. So God wants us to, Jesus wants us to be able to relax. Even in the storms of life, there can be a peace. Uh, sometimes you Bump into the, a person that is going through really hard, hard times. And yet, there's peace. Sometimes you wonder, honestly, I go, is this faking? Is he faking this? Is, he, is this really genuine? Or is he just kind of acting this way when other people are around him? And then when everyone leaves, he's like, woe is me. You know, and there probably are some cases of that. But uh, there are people that are at peace. Why is that? Because they're able to rest rather than be restless i have a friend who's 55 years old and uh he is just he, he's he's dying of cancer and um dear friend of mine and uh th there's there's a peace there's a rest and i don't think it's fake sometimes posts i go come on how can you say that and i'm a pastor i'm like come on you're miserable you you know you you working in the medical system, getting them to do things on a timely basis, uh, sometimes not getting the pain medicine because this little form wasn't filled out or, 
or you know, having some uh, liquid removed from his body. You know, it doesn't, they couldn't do it because of this and that. It just, and yet, and yet, there's the peace. There's the tranquility, and and that can be ours. We can have rest instead of restlessness. So we trust in God's sovereignty. He's not saying, "Why is me?" He's saying, again, it's just God be glorified. People, people recognize God in my suffering. Sometimes as Christ followers, we, we, we want to run from suffering. And no one should run towards suffering. That's kind of crazy. But almost like we should be, uh, you, know, uh, you know, just it shouldn't ever come into our lives. Well, that, that's not true. This isn't heaven. Heaven is the future. New heavens, new earth, eternity with God. This isn't heaven. And yet he's able to, this friend of mine and, and many others, is able to rest in God's sovereignty and, and able to do that. So as you're thinking about your life and thinking about the, the weighty things of life, I don't say this to diminish whatever you're going through, um, but uh, how, how are you able to rest even in those weighty things? Trusting God's sovereignty, trusting that God has a plan, and on the other side of it, it it's just going gonna, gonna to bring just recognition to God, and you're going to get to be a part of that. And uh, you can be a part of that uh, marvelous story. And uh, so, again, this idea of trust. Um, also, there's the idea of um, act in God's sovereignty over your situation. So th- there means we, we rest in it, but there's also some actions. There's also some response. We, we do something. And so we see this situation unfolding. Saul is being tormented. He's restless. He's just, he's miserable. And so somebody sees that this is, knows that this is from God. And we see his servants. Again, it's interesting. All through these uh, stories, you see a servant without a name. These no-name people that step in and, and really change things up because they make a suggestion. They, they have an idea. We never get their names, but they're, they're just there. And that's fantastic because we can remember sometimes we feel like we're a no-name person or we're a no-name servant. And yet God can use us, the ordinary people, to see something, to do something. And it affects and it has a ripple effect of positive actions. And so we see Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. They get it. It's interesting. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. So Saul said to the attendant, find someone who plays well and bring him to me. And so we see these attendants saying, hey, there needs to be some action. Uh, If you can get relief, move in that direction. Don't be a masochist. If 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 you can make things better, go ahead and go for it. Make sure it's it's in the boundaries of what God would have you do. So this attendant does that and is going to go find someone. And it's interesting, this idea of music. Uh, I've been thinking about this this week and before. I'm not much of a music person, but I have realized that sometimes when I'm driving around the car or, or mowing my lawn, I put on some music that points to God, and it, it, it changes my um, attitude. It ch- it, there's something therapeutic about music, and it changes things. So, uh, so this attendant realizes this, and is going to help Saul by saying, when you 
are, are you know, when this evil spirit comes and torments you, get some music, uh, you know, whatever that is, and it will, it will just soothe your soul and drive the evil spirit away. We read in Psalms, good people cheer God, praise God. Right living people sound best when praising. Use guitars to reinforce your hallelujahs. Play his praise on a grand piano. Invite your own new song to him. Give him a trumpet fanfare. You know, we have a night of worship, I believe, coming up the end of this month. Just a great night to sing a bunch of songs, to praise, to let all those words and the music just uh, change our hearts, change our hearts towards him and lighten our spirits. It's a great thing, and that can happen. And those of you who are really into music, you know, you put your favorite uh, thing on, song on, and man, it just changes your heart. We also see this action of acting on this idea of transforming or changing from restlessness to rest. We read this, sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy. For good friends are like the anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of God's presence. Having people in your life, friends in your life that lift your spirits. You may recall that I have a few friends when I'm feeling down, I call them. We don't talk about anything, but we just talk for a half an hour, get off the phone, and my spirit has been lifted. There are friends that I call and my spirit is lifted down, but there are friends that they're just positive. I don't know what they say. I, I just get off the phone and it's like, yahoo, I didn't really talk about anything. I just feel good. Having a few of those friends acting if you're going to go from restlessness to rest, seeking those friends out, being a good friend, not being a one-way street. Uh, sometimes I joke with my girls. I say, you're one-way street because it always goes your way. And now... They mock me when I say it. They know I'm about to say it. You know, you're, yeah, and they just give me a hard time about it. But, uh, you know, when it's all going one way, have some friends where it goes both ways. Be a both ways kind of friend. Even some of the idea of just getting outside, enjoying a beautiful day like this, going down, sitting at the lake. You don't have to own any property on the lake. You can go down there and sit and enjoy it like it's yours. That's fantastic. Light is sweet, and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. You know, when the morning is coming up, it's just it's a fresh day. It's a new day. There's something about that. Get out of your house if you're going to change from restlessness to rest. And then, obviously, there's the idea of leaning in close to God. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Let, letting God know your concerns, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, that's trusting his sovereignty, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your what a gift that is. Life is turmoil. Life is crazy. And all of a sudden you slow down and you get some time with the Lord. You shut the world out. Maybe you have your Bible with you. Read some passages. 
And all of a sudden, it's not positive thinking. It's the Spirit of God in you. All of a sudden, even though the situation has not changed one little bit, there's a, there's a freshness, there's a peace, there's a rest to life that can be yours, is yours. You can't explain it. Another translation says, the peace that transcends all understanding. You don't get it. There's no way to, you know, kind of chart it out. It just is God's presence in our life. Our worries get shaped, get shaped, get uh, into prayers, and then Christ's presence dispels, pushes out the worry at the center of our lives. We can go from restlessness to rest. So how do we prepare for this? Uh, how do we see this process happening with Saul? And we're going to see David and uh, his attendants preparing to exchange restlessness with rest. We read in verse 18, one of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He is a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine looking man and the Lord is with him and we know that's david now we know what's going to happen in chapter 17 david and goliath there are some thoughts this is a bonus that you can push out of your mind if you want but there's a bonus there's some thoughts that david and goliath happened in verse 14 on and then we had this happening and you go well that's out of order then chronologically it's it's a mistake not necessary. There's different forms of writing, and some of the scripture is written not as a slave to the order of things, but thematic. So a theme. So a theme of the Spirit of God leaving Saul, Spirit of the Lord coming on David. That's one kind of theme. So they would talk about and finish off the theme and then go on to the next event. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, you know, won't wouldn't stake much on that in sense but as you start to see some confusion of who david is and why they don't know who he is we'll see that a little bit next that that's probably some of the reason is that uh david and goliath happened before and some time period goes between 13 and 14 so one of the servants entered i've seen the son and uh there he is so we're we're getting this pre preparation and we see this is happening so when you and i are thinking about even being a vessel of bringing rest into someone else's life as we experience it also, we need to be preparing. We need to be growing, not, not waiting uh, for uh, things to happen and then becoming that person. Uh, I've said this a couple times uh, to, to friends that are close to me, and they still seem to be close to me. Uh, uh, you know, when, uh, you're, when you really are lonely and wish there was that special person in your life, and they describe that special person, and uh, I, I, and I see I'm even stumbling as I'm thinking about how to say this. So I, I, I say it as nicely as I can. I say, you know, that person that you want in your life wouldn't want you in their life. Because you want someone who's following God, who's doing these things, doing these things. And you right now have put that on hold. Or you might even be going in a different direction. So in this waiting time, you need to become the man or the woman that the man or the woman you want would want. So you need to prepare. Don't wait till, oh, there's, there's a guy, there's a woman, I've got, and then all of a sudden, now i got to catch up. No, be forming yourselves 
character-wise into the kind of person that that person would want, we need to prepare. We need to prepare. So we're preparing. We're developing. And so to develop yourself so God is recognized in your life. This isn't owning it all yourself, but God does his part. You do your part. So that fact that people can see that God is in your life. So you develop yourself. You have habits. You have rhythms of life. Um, they're genuine, hopefully. They're catching up. Your heart is there. And you develop yourself so God is recognized in your life so that you're ready when that moment happens. You've got all the training. You're not, you're not training on the job in a sense, trying to catch up when you're in the middle of it. You, you've done what you can in that quiet time, in those in that lonely time, in that, that time. So when you're looking about going from restlessness to rest, you prepare for that. You're developing the habits, the, the spiritual habits that grow your inside. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So you look at life through that filter. Some of us may need to write that someplace and just ask ourselves every week, am I doing things for the glory of God? And again, the word glory is a fancy way of saying, do, will God rec be recognized in my activity? So when I want God to be glorified, it's I want God to be recognized in what I'm doing. When I want creation to glorify God, I want people to recognize that God is the maker of creation. So I want him to be recognized in my actions, the way I eat, the way I drink, whatever I do. I want God to be recognized in what I do, not in a proud way, not in a self-righteous way, because that really isn't recognizing God in your life properly. It's not about being self-righteous, but uh, this idea that people see God in the way we navigate or walk through life. So you invest. Some of us know the parable of the good steward. And uh, there's three stewards. They get different amounts, and uh, one does nothing with the with what they're given. The other two uh, do some investments and, and use it well. The one given five thousand dollars showed how he had doubled his investment. His master co commended him. Good work. You did your job well. From now on, be my partner. In a sense, you and I are interviewing for our next step of growth for our next job. The way we do what life in this piece here is setting things up for the next chapter. The, and, and I'm just saying in, in, our, in our human experience, uh, sometimes you don't even realize it's at work, you're doing a good job, and you say this job is beneath me, uh, da, 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 you know, da, 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 you have a bad attitude, whatever, so you let it affect the way you work, and then all of a sudden a new job comes along, and you don't get it. Rather than doing the current job you're in well, and then all of a sudden you find that, in a sense, that process has set you up for the next job. And I love this, from now on, be my partner. I, just think about that. Being God's partner. Do you want God to partner with you? Do you want to partner with God? Do you want to use your life that intimately and have, you know, you know I'm trying to glorify God from a distance? Partnership is so compassionate. So you prepare for that. You Again, you, you instill those, um, just those uh, attributes, those things into your life. That's why it's so important as you look at the growth process, the three-year program. You see it all over the place. There's, there's three or four different components to that so that we're growing. 
and we're, we're accelerating at that. We're preparing. So we have the rhythms of what it means to be a strong Christ follower as a part of our lives. We also, going along with this, is cultivate a good relationship with God and others. And we see this in David's life. We see that David does this. He, he cultivates this great descriptions about who he is and how he responds and how he lives. And for us, we want to do that. We see this uh, in Proverbs 3, uh, 3 through 4. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. And earning that good reputation is not to be self-serving. It's to give God glory. So I'm not doing this so they go, oh, Dave Spencer, he's a pretty good guy, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm not doing it that. If that happens, that's great. If it doesn't happen, <laughs> but, you know, it's, you know, if that happens, that's great. But it's, it's more, why do I want a good reputation? So that I represent my Savior well. So we do this. A journaling reputation is better than striking it rich. A gracious spirit is better than money in the bank. As one well-known speaker says, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, I want to put in there, maybe we'll do different things. 20 years to reputation, five minutes to your death. So what else do we do? We watch for opportunities to act. So then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David, who is with the chief. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat and sent them with his son David to Saul. Immediately it happens, looking for opportunities. As you walk through life, all of us say, man, I've got too many things I'm carrying, too many moving parts. Well, figure out a way to be able to look for opportunities to act. Don't be so packed with your schedule that you don't have any free time. If something comes up that's a part of God's plan for your life to act. And sometimes we're so busy that if something came up, we, we can't stop and go help somebody. We need to be able to have a schedule that allows room for that. A lot of times with my schedule, it's very appointment-driven. Uh, I always add a little extra time to every appointment so I don't run behind. And sometimes at the end of the day, I have an extra hour. Or in the middle of the day, I have an extra hour because I've, I've kind of organized my day that way. So if something happens, I can stop up and leave something and go do something. doesn't mean you do everything, but it means you have room for it. Some of us have it so packed up, Jesus himself could knock on the door and we'd say, sorry, I don't have any time for you. I've got this appointment, this appointment, this appointment. So build in some room so that you're ready. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Again, how do we understand what the master wants? Know the master. How do we know the master? Read his word. Encourage you read the first four books of the New Testament at least once a year, the Gospels, so you see how Jesus walks through humanity. 
and learn how he interacts. Learn he says no to something. He says yes to something. Just watch his heartbeat and let it impact your heart so you know what the master wants. So a part of that is serving to exchange restlessness with rest. Realizing that, wow, if I want to get relief from restlessness, then I need to give my life away. It sounds so uh, opposite direction. Wait a minute, I don't have enough life. I'm too tight. No, you've got to get to a place where you can serve others. Take your eyes off yourself. Sometimes it just makes me feel so good when I'm in the, in the deep end of despair. Sounds way too heavy, but, you know, just feeling the heaviness of life and just feeling it. And then I'm woe is me, you know, kind of getting a little whiny and, and all of that kind of stuff. And then I stop and help somebody out. And I take all my eyes off myself and on somebody else. And it changes everything. It's, it's, it's almost like magic. It's actually you as a Christ follower living out your spiritual calling, serving others. And when we do that, it changes our hearts. Reminds me of this guy that it's possible. Came to this little place, waiter says, try this, you'll like it. What's this? Try it, you'll like it. But what is try it, you'll like it. So I tried it. Thought I was going to die. Took two Alka-Seltzer. Take Alka-Seltzer and feel better fast. Alka-Seltzer works. Try it. You'll like it. Try it. You'll like it. I practice that all morning. So, serve well where God puts you. Serve well where God puts you. Don't always look for the next thing. Give it your all where God has put you. I'm not saying where Dave Spencer has pressured you or somebody else. I'm saying where God has put you. Serve well there, and you'll see the exchange from restlessness to rest. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse saying, allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. He's good with that. David serves well, serves where he's planted, blooms where he's planted. If you want your restlessness to change to rest, serve well and wait for God to bring you a new assignment. Don't jump the gun. Wait for him to bring you a new assignment. Assignment. Read in 1 Corinthians, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. That's Paul. Whatever situation is assigned to you. We had, we had a friend, uh, and uh, she always was wondering what her next assignment would be. I mean, that, those were the, that's the word she used. I, don't, I wonder what God's next assignment for me is. And she served and was active in people's lives and uh, community of faith. And, but she was always wondering, oh, is this God's next assignment? And she'd actually say those kinds of words, God's next assignment. She, she saw them 
just as that, not just an opportunity, not just a, a just she saw them coming from the hand of God. And, and it, was, it was amazing to hear her say that. Jesus says this, I will show you how to take a real rest, absence of restlessness. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Most of us, at one time, even those of us who would say we're Christ followers, have not believed that. We've believed that keeping company with Jesus takes from life, brings burdens into life, makes life harder, more difficult. Jesus says, says, learn to live freely and lightly by spending company with me. So moving along with that is the idea of serving well to be a conduit of rest. And we understand that David did that whenever the spirit from God came on Saul. David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. And I think David also felt better. So our bottom line is this. Restless hearts only rest in him. There's no other Alka-Seltzer Plus. There's no other Tums out there apart from a growing relationship with Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this account of David and Saul. We see the difference. Saul lives in a constant state of restlessness until David ministers to him. David lives in a restful kind of place. And we're going to see as life unfolds, he's prepared for what is coming his way, his next assignment. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to find that our relief comes from you, no other source. And when we try to use other sources, there may be a temporary relief, but the restlessness will creep right back in. Help us to find our rest in you. And if there's anyone here who has never said yes to you, we ask that this morning, as we celebrate communion for a few moments, would be the day where they say yes to you. We ask all of this in your name.